Welcome to Photo Mission Focus Discussing Photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel, and in the studio with me today is Maddie. Hi, Maddie. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself, Maddie. Well, I'm the owner of Mbox Studio, and I'm primarily in like the commercial space. So I love doing like product and portrait photography and things like that. Excellent. And Maddie, um, how did you get into photography? Did you just start at an early age? What what age do you think you got interested? Well, I feel like most people have a very picked it up as a child and it was all very artsy and exploratory. But I come from a marketing background, so it was very much more of a required for my job situation. I did do it a little bit for fun, maybe in high school and things like that when I was on holidays, but nothing very serious. Yeah, mostly through my work, I had to take photos for socials and things like that. And then I, over the years, discovered this is actually the part of my job I enjoy the most. Maybe I should explore this some more. Photography found you. Pretty much. So yeah, that's basically what I enjoyed the most. So I just stuck with it. And yeah, now I've finally gone freelance at the start of this year and I think it was the best choice I've ever made. Congratulations. That's a big step. It was indeed a bit of a scary step, but I'm trying to lean into making those harder choices that are uncomfortable, but end up with getting the results, you know? I think it's, look, it's the ambition for a lot of people who start off in photography. They want to get to that point where they want to make photography their primary mm. primary income and it's, it is a, it can be a, like a daunting thing to do. Mm. So like I said, congratulations that you've, you've made that step leap of faith. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely very scary at the start. You're wondering where is my next paycheck coming from? Felt like I couldn't spend any money. So definitely dampened down my lifestyle at the start of this year. But honestly, that was good for me. I probably had a bit of a spending issue prior to that. But yeah, since then, it started to pick up naturally, as I had expected anyway, but finally getting to a happy little busy point, which is both stressful and a good place to be. Like it's exactly where I wanted to be. So so, so a lot of your photography clients, they're in the like the fashion space, would you say? I'm still very much in a mixed bag kind of area. So would love to get into more of the fashion space, but getting a lot of like basically misc, miscellaneous. So at the moment I've got like just recently did a swimwear brand and then a jewellery brand, but then it's other things like solar companies and painting companies and some family stuff and yeah, there's no official little category I could slot it into at the moment, but we'd definitely love to get into more of the fashion space. I think, look, initially you have to kind of put your toe into a lot of ponds yeah, just to find out how warm the water is and if you really like it. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. people are surprised that sometimes they go and they get a job to do something which they're not kind of that keen on initially, but when they actually get into it, they actually really lean into it and love it. Yeah, very much so. So in the testing phase, willing to try anything, and to be honest, I have learned more in the last year than I have in the you know previous five to ten years. Yep. Ahead of that. And that's do you think that mainly because now you kind of steering your own own boat? Very much so, but it's also the variety. So whereas previously with um, the jewelry company I was with, it was very much we'd go to the same sort of studio space every single time. It would be the same lighting conditions. We'd be going for the same result because it all had to be very consistent across the website and socials. Yes. So couldn't get that creative with it. Could get creative with props and things like that, which was fun. But having gone out on my own now to do all of these different tasting palette, if you will, tasting platter of options, 
you're kind of forced to put yourself into those uncomfortable situations where it's like for the swimwear, for example, like I have never shot in the middle of the day, stark sunshine, was majorly stressed about all of the deep shadows under the eyes and things like that, but ended up totally fine. Yep. I, yeah. yeah some, sometimes when someone mentions that, they'll do a midday shoot, outdoor midday shoot, everyone just runs for cover. Uh, <laughs> but good that you you kind of made it work. And I think the thing is, as a photographer, you just learn along the way that you whatever's thrown at you, you just make it work. That's exactly it. It's just adapting. So as much as adapting is good, it's also increasing my kit as I go, which is an expensive adventure. And what, and what a good segue because I was going to ask you, what do you shoot with? The moment I use a Canon EOS R6, which I love and have used for a good couple of years now. I did just start initially with my 35mm, which is my trusty catch-all. Is that the RF or the EF version? Um, the RF. Yep. Um, all of my lenses are RF because I pretty much started oh, with, fresh with the with the RF yep system. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I just ditched all of my other lenses once I got the the R six. Um, so I started with that and a twenty four to one hundred five f four, but yep. that was never my favorite to use. So I pretty much never used that. Shortly after going freelance, I decided to invest in the seventy to two hundred mil. Yep, and that's the two point eight. Yes, that's the one. Loved it. Sweet lens, beautiful lens. One of my favourite lenses to shoot with, yeah. Absolute life changer, that one. Yeah. She's beautiful. (laughs) 10 out of 10, recommend. And then ever since then, I've been trying not to spend too much too quickly and just going crazy as much as I would have loved to add it to my kit sooner. But I have just added the 28 to 70 F2. F2, which, which is a game changer lens. Yeah. And even just the last two or three shoots I've had it for, oh, Delightful. And how are the biceps? You're building your biceps up <laughs> with that lens? <laughs> she is hefty, um, but worth it for the adaptability that it provides. Well, a lot of people, a lot of people will, who shoot with that lens are liken it to shooting with um, prime mm. lenses. It's crisp, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I can't fault it. Yeah, no, it's been a very popular lens, like I said, and the only, the only, well, the, the only downsides are really it is expensive. And it is heavy, but if once you get past those two, everything else is perfect. Yeah, but I feel like having used the seventy to two hundred for a fair while, it's slightly lighter. But I'd have to use that on long, long shoot days, like the dance recital and things like that would go for hours and hours on end. So I was used to holding a a heavy boy. Yes. Yep. So when I added that one, I was just ready for it. I desperately wanted it so any kind of arm pain i would bear for you, having used it have you ever thought about using a monopod no is that the tripod thing yeah, it's just but the it's single, just a single the single leg, leg one yeah not really i feel like too often like uh, too often i'd need to move around and get down low and things yes, like that it, but it, it probably does, wouldn't work it does it can be restrictive and that type of stuff if you try and do different angles low angles and stuff yeah. like that so it depend on the setting but Mostly, like most often, I do end up on the floor at some point <laughs> during <Yes>. the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, I suppose, it's just one of those things because as a photographer, you're always trying new things. So you're looking at all these different angles. And, and I think the, the, anyone out there who's kind of doing photography is that how you kind of, I suppose, get those different shots is by experimenting and just mm. getting down on the ground and shooting and trying to find a different angle just to kind of bring your subject into mm. a different, give it a different look. 
Exactly. I do feel like that limits my photo shoot outfits though. I can only ever wear dark pants or jeans and well, I wear the same thing to every shoot purely because it's going to end up dirty nine times out of ten. Well, that's the thing. But you don't, sometimes too, you, you do, as a photographer, you want to kind of blend in a bit too. You don't want to kind of be too out there and wear your best floral dress or something. And you know. <laughs> But sometimes it does feel a bit ick rocking up to a, a more fashion-y kind of brand or something like that. And here I am just in my regular same outfit I wear every other time. It's white shirt and shorts. Yep. <laughs> So, because some some photographers will go for a very dark top, just so they like, so they're not kind of acting as a as a reflector. Have you ever thought about that? I haven't. Some people have asked me this before, actually, but because I started in the jewelry space, I find that I always prefer light and bright. Like, yes, I prefer to add the white back in. Whereas I think adding the black, particularly if there ends up being some sort of reflective surface, I tend to notice that. I know you can kind of see like with the black you're meant to blend in with your camera a little bit more and things like that. But to be honest, I just find it easier to wear white and then add a bit of darkness in where I want to rather than the other way around. I'll only ever be adding light rather than taking it away. Yeah, cool. And I might just it's funny because we met at a sip and shoot event mm. and I think you came up and introduced yourself and because I think you've been a part of the Canon Collective as well. Yeah, I'd been on that page for a number of years, but pretty much just lurking. I never share anything. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people like that. You know, we hear, we see those people that they they'll come up to me and they'll introduce themselves, and oh, I haven't seen you post anything. No, it's just hey, I've been cyber stalking you for years, <laughs> which is fine. You know, that's I mean, and that's one of the great spaces like that where you can just kind of sit on the sidelines and take it all in and just see mm. what what other people are doing it's a great way to get different ideas did you find that you did pick up some things from just watching what happens on that in that group or yeah very much so i particularly like following the weekly challenge just to see what other people are working on cuz everyone works in such different areas of the photography space yep and seeing how they interpret that concept each week I find really interesting. I always find interesting is that when you give someone a brief and it's for your interpretation and everyone will interpret the brief differently and it's sometimes like you go, that's really clever how <laughs> you've done that. Wish so, I thought of that. Wish. And sometimes it's the simplest thing, like it's a very simple thing and you thought, oh, geez, you know, but the simple ideas sometimes give you the best results. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great space and like I said, it was interesting because I kind of as most people know who listen to this podcast, I'm one of the admins on that page and it's great to see that people actually are kind of getting something out of it and learning along the way. And it, I mean, I suppose it's a testament that you actually are now kind of out there as a working professional photographer. Does that sound like a good description of you now? I mean, it is, but it sounds so foreign and like like we were saying before. Oh, like the... the imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, yeah. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. I know it's, look, for people listening out there, it's just not uncommon. It was something we we chatted about before we kind of turned the mics on. We were talking about getting the butterflies before a shoot and how even the most seasoned photographers with incredible shoots under their belt um, before a, a new shoot, sometimes we get quite nervous. So mm. it's perfectly normal. And I think the imposter syndrome is another part of, it, it comes with the territory as a photographer. Yeah. So it's not something to be feared. No, but I do feel like I want to vomit most times before I head into a photo shoot into an unknown kind of situation, but it is what it is. And much like going out on my own, it's those uncomfortable things I'm 
always try and remind myself that that's where the magic happens. Yes. Is if you feel like you're going to vomit, it's probably going to be good for you. Yes. And it is. And how much I've learned in the last year, I'm very grateful and proud of myself for doing that. No, like I said, you know, congratulations because it is a big it is a big step forward and it's something that a lot of people, like I said, really, I suppose, listening to the podcast are kind of sometimes sitting on the sideline there waiting for an opportunity to kind of to launch themselves into a photography career and it's like it is possible and even like today like we we talked about it's, it's very it's quite competitive and there's a lot of challenges out there but it's not impossible yeah it's also one of those things much like with business any form of business i do feel like there's always room for everyone and everyone has their own particular unique spin on how they do things i think everyone's got something to offer so as much as i sometimes feel like i don't have say a particular type of style I think what I tend to offer clients is like I feel like I can fit into their brand style quite easily. And coming from that marketing background as well, I understand what they're looking for and how they can use it. Yes. Yeah, whereas I look at other people and I'm like, oh, my God, their particular editing style is so beautiful and so consistent. And I just know I could never be that person. And sometimes you don't have to. It's interesting. I was listening to someone, someone talking today about how you got to find your, find your spike and you know what they were really meaning was that sometimes there's something else in your background which you're very good at that you can actually bring to the table in a, a different career like photography so so your background in marketing is kind of your spike um that you come to that with that already mm. yeah i would agree with that it's had a lot of benefit for me just understanding how a client would want to use these photos what kind of formats it needs to end up in and where, where those placements will be. So it's going to be ads, which might be square, yep. landscapes, very, very t- long, skinny landscape for website banners was always something that was a problem. Yes. But still needing space to write on it and things like that. Well, that's right. So you've got to have copy space. And what a lot of people don't realize is sometimes they shoot too tight. Mm. And I just know from my time of shooting, doing Getty stuff that yeah. you shot stuff. So typically it could be used as portrait or landscape. But also, but you always had room in there for space because you knew that someone was going to buy that image and use it for a campaign. They're going to have to put their logo and their, mm. their tagline or something on there. So Yeah, breathing room is good. Yes. So, yeah, negative space is actually really useful in photos. And like I said, it's kind of – sometimes people think trying to, to think they get need to get too much in a photo. I think mm. sometimes, you know, you just got to understand and like having an idea from marketing how your client might use it gives you, I think, a, a run up the ladder straight away. Well, I'd hope so. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But <laughs> Well, yeah. people people are hiring you, so this, and you're getting repeat customs. So, I mean, that means that you're doing something right. True. Yeah. I'll so take that. You'll take that. There you go. <laughs> where do you want to take, you know, have you thought about where you, you want to take your photography career? Have you, you want to, I know we talked about things you do like taking mm. pictures of pretty things. So, is that... <laughs> not very specific but I do tend to lean towards more of the feminine beautiful product style images I also love portraiture and things like that but particularly styled portraiture so studio lighting and a very well thought out concept is kind of where I lean towards but that being said I'll never say never because I never thought I'd be here either and I've never been a five-year plan kind of girly yes but you never know, but I would love to lean into more of the fashion portraiture editorial. I know everyone says they want to go there, but I would like to make more time for that 
which has proven to be a bit of a struggle at the moment. Time for fun projects is hard to come by when you're busy trying to make ends meet at the same time. Yeah, and look, one one of the bit of advice I always give photographers is is always try and keep that space in your life mm. for personal projects because that's what keeps the fire burning. Very much so. I would agree with that. And for the last few months, I was starting to lose a bit of that creative spark, I think. So I've actually just made it my mission for the next few months. I'm going to book in a few random studio days, not with any idea to be paid for any of that work done on those days, just for fun. Yes. So I'm going to come up with some creative concepts and then hopefully reach out to a couple of other creatives who want to be on board for that sort of shoot and maybe put together something exciting. Yeah, and I think collaborations are a really good part of the personal project space as well. So if you can collaborate with some other creatives, Mm. whether that be models, whether that be designers, whether that be other photographers, to be able to kind of put together something like that. Again, like I said, it is a, it's a well worthwhile exercise to do. And I don't think some photographers kind of, like I said, get so, I suppose, involved in what they're doing with their business side of things that sometimes they lose sight of that. Mm. I don't want to get too caught up in just purely being on the commercial side because I do think that's what lights up your life is making time for creative projects. But my only pickle at the moment is I don't feel like I know enough people to fully get into the collaborative space. So kind of in the works of building, building a network. The, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's about building networks. Yeah. And I think the, the creatives, it's interesting that particularly in Brisbane at the moment, there's definitely a really good tide happening. The tides turn where we've seen more and more creatives are actually coming together and kind of discovering each other's work and that type of stuff and, and I think that's a really good thing that if you can put yourself out there and so people know you exist and mm. and the stuff that you you do and that type of stuff it's a positive thing to do mm. and I do think that's where those like sip and shoot events come in great handy so that's where you know some of the models that have sourced and things like that have um, come through and it's a great way to meet other people who are willing to collaborate on that kind of level as well yep and this for those who may not have heard the sip and shoot what what it's about it's basically it's a collaborative space where we have we have models you have photographers um you have designers all come together in a kind of real casual atmosphere there's no pressure on to get the shot like and it's really a bit of it's really how would you say it's just free form really yeah i find it very therapeutic going to those ones it's just purely for fun and I'm a very high pressure on myself kind of person. So having no pressure for an end result is absolutely delightful. That's for me. right. So if you walk walk away at the end of the night with nothing. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Exactly. But if you walk away with some gold, bonus. And nine times out of ten I do walk away with some well, gold. Well, I've, I've seen some of your work from Sip and Shoots and it's absolutely beautiful. So it's kind of, you, you right know. Right back at you. <laughs> well, you know, it's something like I said, I do that for that exact reasons that you kind of explain there about that kind of just keeping that creative spark mm. alive and just doing some stuff just for yourself where you don't have to have a, you know, you're not shooting to a brief and in particular mm. you don't have to deliver these different shots. You can be a bit bold and experiment as well. So you can try some stuff that you haven't thought, oh, I can't really try this in the real world exactly. if someone's paying me, but I can do it here. Yeah. I often tend to really play with my colour and things like that from those photos and I have so much fun with that. Whereas when you are producing work for a client, it's like, well, obviously they're not going to want like, you know, bright magenta. Yes. Well, some I'm, some have a real anal retentiveness about the colours of their different parts of their business. So you have to get mm, the colour absolutely spot on. Otherwise, um, they, don't, they, they won't use yeah. it. 
exactly. So it's very much, so much fun to just play around with your editing style and things like that, that you could never do in the outside world, as you were saying. So with your workflow, I mean, which part of it? I mean, obviously for most people, it's kind of like the shoot, the shoot is kind of the small part of it. Mm -hmm. There's obviously all the planning before the shoot. And then it's obviously once you've done the shoot and then there's all, all the editing, do you have a kind of a, a workflow that works for you? I have just tried to change around my workflow literally this week, actually. Yeah. Because previously I would get home, immediately get all the photos off the SD card and save them to my computer and hard drive. Which is a good safety method to make sure that nothing happens, goes wrong. Yeah. Yep. And so we've got the backups. Do you shoot in your EOS R6? Are you shooting to both cards? How you set the camera up? No, I only shoot to one at the moment. Okay. But I know I should do two. Yeah, here's a tip. So do you, it. And what, what I'll tell you what I do, because I shoot with an R6 and an R5, and I've got the same setup on both cameras. So what I do is I shoot to one card, I shoot JPEG, mm-hmm. and I shoot RAW to the other. And the idea is that if something would happen, I've got the RAW file, but I've also got a JPEG file. Because sometimes you just need a file. If you just need a file really quickly mm. to upload to give to someone, you're going to just give them the JPEG. So I just find that works really well. It seem, works seamlessly in that camera. Mm. So it's kind of worth investing it's just one of those things I haven't got around to yet. It's on the forever to-do list, I know. Uh, it'll be I on, know. You'll be bumping it up now. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after this episode airs. <laughs> good, oh good tip. If you've got the opportunity to do to have redundancy in your shooting, you should do it. But mm. So, okay, so you get, get from a shoot, you've uploaded the images, so you've secured them to a couple of locations. Yes, so um, multiple locations. I can rest in peace now. Yep. But then I would drag them straight into Lightroom. Yep. And I know some people cull first and then edit, but I would previously edit and call at the same time. Yes, yep. Um, Because some people use things like Photo Mechanic to bring them in mm. and they cull them and then export them over to Lightroom. But I'm I'm still a distrusting person. I'm not sure if I trust an outside party to do it yet. But I know other people have raved about it, so I'm considering it, but I'm not there yet. Yep. So, yeah, I normally flick through and cull at the same time as editing or at least coming up with, like, what my basic edit is going to look like. But just this week, I've tried to do a cull first and then edit. But I'm still not sure if I like it as much. Yeah, I think that's one of the things with workflows. You have to get, you have to work out what's comfortable for you because it's got to be come second nature in the end to you. Mm. So it's got to be kind of, and like I said, don't be, I say to people, don't be afraid to change workflow and mix it up because sometimes mm. previously what you were doing and then something changes and then you find that all of a sudden, oh, this actually works better for me. Yeah, so I'm still not sure that I liked that very much because I'm very much a one and done yes. kind of person. So going through it once makes me quite happy. Yes. Even though I'd end up with a few similar shots that I'd later go back and cull. So maybe I wasted some time there, but it's also like I didn't have to look at them twice. Yep. And what, what I've done, if, and you probably haven't had this experience because you've kind of, I suppose, been shooting with the mirrorless system, which has amazing autofocus capabilities. The thing I had to learn coming from DSLR to mirrorless was I'd overshoot on the DSLR because you had a lot of missed shots where you misfocus and, you you know, things just didn't work. I tend to find on my mirrorless stuff I overshoot still. I'm trying to get better at it because – but you get so many keepers. Mm. There's not too many dud shots normally. Yeah. Like I did used to have a 70D back in the day. Yep. Um, so you'd be experienced, would have experienced those sometimes that the misses on yeah. focus, yep. Quite a few times she was a bit rough, so there was 
many, many a shot there as well. Yes. But also it took me until I went to buy a new camera. I didn't realise. You know how the flip screen comes over the back? I just always left that flipped up on my previous camera. Yep. By the end, it was so scratched. I couldn't see any of the photos that I'd taken afterwards. I just had to hope for the best. Didn't realise how bad it was until I got my new one. I was like, wow, maybe I should keep this flipped in this time. (laughs) (laughs) So now she exclusively is back to her original pristine condition and wiped down every single time. Yep. Well, what the great thing about the mirrorless systems are the fact that you can review the images in, in the viewfinder. Mm. I find that a real game changer. Like when I shoot an event, pretty much if you're outdoors looking on the back of the camera, you just can't see it anyway. Mm. The light reflections, but you can just look in the viewfinder and you can actually see and you can zoom You can zoom it like, yeah. and you can say, yep, okay, I've got that or I missed that and you can go back and reshoot it. So I find that really, I suppose, yeah, I'd never... I was talking to someone the other day and someone was still a friend who's still on the fence about going mirrorless. And I said, well, there's never been a person that I've spoken to yet that went from DSLR to mirrorless and then went back to the DSLR. Mm, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is a game changer, that one, actually. I'd forgotten. Like, it's one of those things I'd forgotten didn't exist on the previous. But even the other day at the very sunny swimwear shoot, it was so handy to just be able to look in there. It's all perfect, perfectly lit and coloured and I can see what I got, if I got it or not. Yeah, well, I think that's the other thing too, the fact that you're now seeing through the viewfinder, you're now seeing what your exposure is actually doing. Mm. So you can actually see that kind of in real time, whereas previously you'd have to chimp a lot back of the camera to look down on, say, your 70D, you'd be looking at the back of the camera to try and work out, did I get it? Mm. Yeah, it's really made a huge difference. And I think you've probably come into photography at a at a really interesting time because there's a lot of things happen. Like I said, mirrorless has been a big game changer for, for most photographers. But also, you know, the, the, the elephant in the room, like people talk about um, AI, and for a lot of photographers, AI is not going to really affect what they're doing, particularly, you know, when you're shooting, say, events and stuff like that, and there's particular things they want, you, you have to use real people still. Mm. Yeah, but even saying that, I use AI all the time, particularly the Photoshop AI. Yes. So handy. Well, it is. It becomes a tool, and I think this is where you got to think about it. It becomes another tool in your toolbox. Mm. I mean, I use ChatGDP all the time to kind of come up with concepts for different things, and I'll use it as a base because I just – I don't know you about you. Sometimes I just need – once I've got something, a base, I can just build on it and I can run with it. But sometimes you just have a kind of a you know writer's block and you're trying to <laughs> get that first paragraph down and you just can't make it work. So I just find – I find it so cool that I can just type a couple of prompts in. I mm. get something, yeah – 90% of it might just be garbage, but there's 10% I can go, yep, I can use that, That's, and that gets you going. Yeah, it's so handy. Occasionally, like emails and stuff, I'll use ChatGPT to help me out there if it's a particularly difficult email. Yes. Had a few of those in the last week. Yep. And bang, there it is, and I'm perfect. I'll just do a few little tweaks. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's a- exactly what I wanted to say but couldn't. Yeah, that's right. And I think this is where people sometimes get a little bit hung up on AI and they get a little bit worried that AI is going to come in and steal everyone's um, work and the reality is that if you use it smartly it's actually going to enhance your work because it's going to help you like I said be more productive mm. yeah it's all about speeding up my life well I think that's the thing like you've got to in business you've got to remember that time is money and the longer you spend on a particular task that's costing you money mm. because then you can't be off doing something else whether it may be marketing yourself online and that type of stuff so and I did want to touch on it so with online stuff what do you do to let people know you're out there what what type of platforms you're on well i do rely heavily on word of mouth but i would also say i'm quite good with social media 
But I do think photography is one of those things that coming from the marketing side, I would only ever use someone I had been referred to personally. So I try to just put out the best of my work on, put it all of my best work on my website first when I get around to it. I'm very lazy with keeping that up to date. Yep. But one day I'll get there. And then, so yeah, everything goes onto my website, all of my best portfolio work. So I keep that looking pretty schmick and tidy. My Instagram, I do my best to keep that up to date. Every shoot I do almost, anything that is worth sharing to me, I'll do a few of the best selects from there onto my feed. But that's not always super up to date. Because I remember seeing a while ago from like Instagram or Meta themselves that like 90% of the communication is going down in stories and DMs. So from then I was just like, okay, great. I'm going to focus on doing my Instagram stories and keeping in touch with people via messenger and things like that on Instagram. So I try and post something that I'm doing most days, even if it's just behind the scenes, kind of getting to know me sort of energy type stories. Just sharing a bit about yeah. what you do. and yep. I'm a real person. You can yep. trust me, that kind of energy. And pretty much after every shoot, I'll edit a few and post them straight away just because I can't help myself. But I find that's where most of my um, business traction comes from is just that constant reminder from my stories and things like that and reaching out to people via messages and whatnot. I also do have a TikTok that I have been a bit lax with that in the last month or so because it's a bit stressful there. Yep. But normally I'll post a f- little carousels much like I would on Instagram but with a fun little song or whatnot on yes. TikTok and sometimes I post a few random behind the scenesy ones on there as well. And yeah, amongst all of that, I think that's keeps me going. But mostly I would say it's Instagram and daily story posting that seems to keep me top of mind. So what would you say to someone out there who's kind of sitting sitting there thinking about they'd like to kind of break away from what they're doing? They might be working in a similar kind of background to you but they, and they've got a bit of interest in photography and they've been kind of honing their skills. Do you have any advice for them? I would say just start. That's pretty much it. Just brave it and get something going. Because I had my business going under a different name for about two years prior to going fully freelance and I would just do that occasionally in my spare time so it's basically just letting people know that you're available is enough to keep it going so I previously when I was just doing on the side I would barely post anything and people would just forget I would exist but then as soon as I posted I'm going freelance here's some recent work it was just like bang okay so as soon as people know you're there and not working your nine to five, people were just like, oh, great, we'll use her. And then going to those events like the sip and shoot things and a few other photography events, like Canon's held some, which have been yep. great. And you came along to one of the Brisbane Photography Festival events as well. Yeah, those things are great for making connections. And I also go to a few like business networking events, so small business and things like that, um, where my like target audience would kind of hang out basically. And I just go and make friends. And I would say that is worth a million bucks, just getting to know people. Yep. Well, like we talked about before we started the podcast, we talked about that when you're in business, you're actually, you don't do, businesses don't typically do business with other businesses. People do business with people. So Mm. it's very much, and photography is a massive people business and you need to like people. (laughs) Yeah. Be able to chat to them and that sort of stuff. So Yeah, that's it. 
So I just try and constantly be meeting new people. And then when I do meet those people, I try and nurture those relationships, like you were saying. But that's pretty much what I do on Instagram is I continue to nurture those relationships with people that I've met. And even on TikTok as well, like people I've met at networking events, I follow up with them there and, you know, engage with their content that I like. Yes. And it gives us something in common to talk about. Well, I think it's good too, like just to see what other people are doing as well. Sometimes it just gives you an idea as well. Like, and and I think it's kind of like I said, but I've definitely noticed like you get more traction out of Instagram stories Mm -hmm. than Instagram posts and things like that. Because I think people are generally want to see some of the stuff that's happening in your life. Like people do love. Mm. They want to know you as a real person. It's not just like, oh, wow, here's some great photos. Cool. Thanks. Yep. It's, oh, wow, you're here today. That's so cool. What happened, you know? Yes. And I think one of the things I've found is like um, behind the scenes things, people love to see just how maybe how a shoot went together because mm. it gives people ideas. Like and I'm sure you've probably picked up some ideas looking at other behind the scenes stuff going, mm. oh, that's a really cool use of a prop or that's a really cool way to, to do get the model to do that or put the product in that particular mm. way type of thing, yeah. Yeah, I love watching those lighting setup videos on TikTok. Like I'm obsessed with those at the moment and I just get TikTok after TikTok of here's a fun new editorial setup I did this week. Well, they're so good. Their algorithm is so good. They've got you pegged and they're actually going <laughs> to serve up the exact stuff that you want. Exactly, and I will eat it up every time. There you go. Yeah. Well, Maddie, look, thank you for sharing some of your journey and some of your thoughts about photography. So hopefully – People listening to this will actually maybe listen to your story and and that might just give them a bit of motivation to think about maybe getting out on their own. So thanks for coming in and having a chat. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. Talk again soon. See ya. Bye. Bye.